Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This, especially if it's your first time. This is a scripture study podcast or YouTube video where we move through the scriptures. That's <laughs> what you would expect by calling it a scripture study podcast. This year we're doing the New Testament. We're following the curriculum um, schedule of the Come Follow Me curriculum in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, we did. We just finished the Old Testament Which last we year. We just... Oh, and we've said this before, and we'll just say it again. Um, for those of you who haven't heard us say this before, that the Old Testament, studying that last year is, is going to make this book come alive, and you're going to see things that you've never seen in your study of the New Testament before because of now the background information and sort of like the culture and the history. And there's, I mean, there's just like the, the characters of the New Testament are just like filled with prophecy and yeah. promise from this whole book. And like, you're now familiar with the stories. They're bedtime stories. You're familiar with all of that. And so it's just going to be... Yeah, make everything just come alive. Even in today's lesson, we start seeing hints back to the Old Testament, which I love. Yeah, that today's lesson is so much better. It's still rad, even if you're just picking up right now without anything in the Old Testament. But um, for those who have a little bit of that Old Testament ringing in their memories, it's going to be um, even cooler. So... If this is our second video of the year or second podcast of the year, whichever one you're doing last year, if you want like a little introduction one to kind of the study and the New Testament, you can go back one week. But today we're jumping in to Matthew 1 and Luke 1, um, which is super rad. But there is a couple things that you are going to want to know about that we're going to um, be using this year. And um, it is this. Oh, here he is right here. We this year are calling this year the year of Jesus. That's what the last week's video is called. Um, we're going to name every year from now on because <laughs> the word 2023 is so boring. So the year of Jesus is what we're calling this one because this book is a book that really leans into the study of Jesus. It puts color on his character. It just, he comes alive and he walks and talks among us. That's right? so fun. You're in making me book. think this. Anyone who has a wedding coming up, if you're working on your wedding invitations, who wants to write this? I'm getting married on January 29th, the, the year, year of, of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, I guess people started that a long time ago, the year of our Lord. Oh, yeah. We didn't really come up with it. Well, <laughs> so creative. What if it's but... the year of Jesus <laughs> yeah, that's and better. he comes in October? Yeah. This year? Yeah. Planning on it. Okay. Um, and we'll know him when he gets here because we'll have like like learned <laughs> him all year long. Yes. Okay. This is a free download that we are going to be using and hanging in our homes this year. It's uh, by our friend Brie Lou Art. It's this line drawing of Jesus, if you can't see it. Um you can download this in a couple different sizes. And what is unique about this is this is going to kind of be one of our study companion tools for the year because let me walk this close for those who can see it on YouTube. You will see there's spots all on the robe of Jesus here of different places to write his names. And that's what we're going to do each week. We're going to add one name each week to this print and it's a name that's found in that section of scripture that we're studying and it's a name that we're going to talk about and and learn about and the, each of those names are going to be an expression 
of his characteristics and attributes. Yeah, we're so excited about this. You might wanna do it this um, size. There's one size smaller, 11 by 17, or um, this big size. If you have littles at your house, you may love doing this one um, because they're gonna be able to write it in their uh, handwriting up and down the sides of the rope. Um, For those who can't see, this is a 24 by 36 one. So you'll just have to jump on the video or our Instagram to see yeah, these, what to do, and, and let's just quickly say this. If you are getting ready for the New Testament year and you're wondering how to get this, you're going to go in our newsletter. It's in right in there in the newsletter. It's also on the app. Right. Is it on the webpage? Nope. Okay, newsletter or app. Then you're going to um, take it to get printed. If you live in uh, Salt Lake or Lehigh or Provo, Pioneer Party in Lehigh is just printing these in a million sizes. So you can just go in there and pick them up. They are ready to go. And then Hobby Lobby will dry mount them and or anywhere that you can find that dry mounts. That's where we did ours. And you might want to dry mount whether you're leaving it like this or framing because you won't want the glass on the front because you're going to be writing on it all year long. I think okay. that's everything everybody needs to know yeah, about that. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so every week when we start, we'll start with the name and then the... Um, where you're going to put it on his robe or on his, we love that the artist talked about, he wears all those names or those characteristics like a mantle, which we just love the thought of that. So, And the, the word, name that we pick is the same one that's going to be on the poster. Yep. So we'll just week, be thinking about poster. it all week long. Um, this week is Emmanuel. It comes out of Matthew one twenty three. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So there's the translation of that, but we've got it right down here. The Greek translation will be doing the Greek this year, which we're also super excited about because the New Testament was translated out of Greek. That's why we'll be doing Greek words. Um, and God with us is the name. And it goes just right here on the bottom left-hand side of his robe. Just this spot, number one, Emmanuel is right there. Um, which we're super excited about. We'll lean a, a little bit more into that name in a, in a future segment that we get into. The newsletter, you can sign up for it at don'tmissthisstudy.com if you are like, wait, how do I do the newsletter? Oh, and let's quickly talk about the newsletter. If you are new to the newsletter or if you feel like you have not been receiving them in the last couple weeks, we've had a lot of people talking about that. What you want to do is go in your contact list on your newsletter and put us in your in contact your email. In your email. email. Yeah. yeah. So it's hello at don't miss this study, right? That's dot what com. Dot com yep. is what you need to put in there. But in the last newsletter that just came out on the 19th, December 19th, if you go in there, there's a little button where you can just push. Um, that you want to connect with us by email and it will it will help your computer know how to connect with us so if you're having trouble go back to that newsletter look for um, are you having trouble receiving the newsletter and there's a whole little instruction thing right in there okay this year we are kind of breaking up the lesson into 10 minute segments in case though are there are some who just want a little bit every day um, we'll put chapters in the YouTube video so that you can kind of skip through if you just want to leave off or sit down and watch a little bit of it or clip a part out or get to a part to show in a lesson or something like that. 
Um, so just so you know, that will be there, but the video will just go through seamlessly like it did before for those who want to just sit down and listen or watch the entire thing. We are calling this um, lesson from the beginning. That's a line that Luke uses uh, right at the beginning of his gospel. And we love this idea of leaning into right from the very beginning, we are going to learn some things about who Jesus is and what we can expect from him in our own Story. So we are in Matthew 1, Luke 1 for today. Um, these are the tippins. We have three tippins this week that you can put in, and um, they're going to go in different spots. This one, Matthew, goes at the beginning of Matthew. It kind of has on it who he was, when his book was written, and then who's the audience that he wrote to, and also includes little highlights of like favorite stories from the book of Matthew and some that are unique to the book of Matthew so that you can kind of have that reference right at the very beginning. So if you have the tippins, you want to put in these three tippins for today. And we'll teach you what they say on them as we dive in. So we're going to be diving into Matthew right at the very get-go. And so let's talk a little bit about who Matthew was and what we want to know about him. Um, you love that he was... Um, what what was the word that you said oh, before we started? an outsider. Yeah, surprising. Yeah, yeah. There's something about, we're going to find, we're going to get to that spot in the story where Jesus calls Matthew. And when he calls Matthew, that's going to be really surprising to everybody. It, it, people would have thought, wait, wait, wait. He doesn't actually belong in this ministry or in this story. Do you know what kind of past he has? Do you know what kind of reputation he has? So Jesus' call of him is going to be really surprising um, later on in the story. And, and I think it's kind of neat. We're going to see some of that in his writing. Like he's going to actually talk about stories and people that are also surprising. And you can see that a little bit in his personality as he writes. It's interesting that um, all of the all of the apostles who wrote the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they each come at it from a different perspective, which we're fascinated by because we both are authors. We love to write. And it's fun to think, who was their intended audience? Who were they writing for? Because it actually makes what happens within their book a little bit more interesting. So Matthew was actually writing to the Jewish Christian community. Um, so those who had once been Jews, but we're now Christian, and then also for anyone who was still Jewish. And there's certain patterns that happen in his book that you're like, oh, that's why um, he did that. One of them, for example, is he is going to reference the Old Testament prophecies more than any other writer because he's writing to a group of people who are super familiar with the Hebrew Bible. He's yes. just, so he just knows like, oh, this is their language. And he wants to show them that Jesus was actually the promised Messiah like the one who would come out of those prophecies. So that's really important. Um, another way that we know um, that he's writing to that Jewish group is how he begins his book, what it looks like when he begins. So he's going to begin with a, a, what do you call it? Genealogy. A genealogy. I yeah. was going to say a generation chart. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no, what was <laughs> a happening? A family there? tree, which, you know, listen, we've written a couple books together. And if you're looking for writing advice or whatever, this is the advice we'd give you. Start really well and don't start with a genealogy. <laughs> that is what we would normally say. Like if you want to bore people to death, you know, in our day, you might start with, uh, with a genealogy. Now, um, and it is common in scripture 
because it was handed down through the Old Testament. And you'll remember, we read books of scripture where it all of a sudden lists a million people. We actually even see it in the Book of Mormon where they're like, and he, his dad was this person and his dad was this person. And um, they, they're just kind of letting you know, it's almost like, I wanted to say it was almost like a letter of recommendation, but I like what you said oh, better. I called it a parade. It's fun because like you, he starts listing these names and you know he's going to get to an end, right? Where like as you're listing them that you're like building up with this anticipation. So I like thinking that Matthew starts the book with a parade and <laughs> Santa's coming at the end. You know? yeah. than a- but I was thinking this, you know, like your genealogy might be boring to me. But my own would actually be really intriguing and interesting. Like, I want to know, like, where is it that I'm coming from? And some of the names that Matthew mentions in this genealogy would have been super intriguing to the audience who read it. Yeah, and that is so interesting because the other night, Greg and I went on a new tradition where we went to a friend's house. And the week before Christmas, she hires a Scottish bagpipe player to dress in all his Christmas clothes and a Santa. And they walk through her neighborhood playing the bagpipes. And I had said to Greg while we were walking, I am so drawn to bagpipes. Like it is in my soul. Like I had said while we were walking, I think I might learn how to play the bagpipes this year. And Greg was like, no, you're not doing that. (laughs) And then when we got home, my dad sent this email and my uncle had been doing our genealogy and he was just sending an update on our DNA testing. I'm 67% Scottish. No uh, wonder why I love the bagpipes so much. I was going to guess 54%. That is crazy. There's so much more. Listen, see how I, I'm just like, so I think that is true that like there are parts of you that you're like connection points when you read through and you're like, oh, I want to connect to that person or mm-hmm. that person or I see this connection. And when you read this genealogy the first time, you might be like, This is so boring. I have no idea who any of those people are. And a lot of us probably skip the genealogy. Let's just be honest. When we, when we teach this, we're like, this is the boring part. Let's dive in on verse 18. And you might, as you're preparing your lesson, that might be your first thought. And if it is, this is what I want to say. Probably the greatest lesson of the gospels, as far as an introduction comes from Matthew. Yeah. Don't you think that is true? Because he's going to describe for you in those first 17 verses what is about to play out throughout not just the Gospels, but clear back from the Old Testament and all the way into like my story today. And he captures it in 17 verses in a really unexpected way. So it would be good to say what is expected about a genealogy. Okay, uh, well, the, what's expected about a genealogy is to tie them back to something or to someone. And you would pick certain names because of something that you're trying to emphasize about that person. And so you catch that right from the very beginning when it says, okay, here's a genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So right in verse one, he is tying this Jesus of Nazareth to the promises made to Abraham and the promises made to the line of King David. Like right from the very, very get-go, he's connecting you to the Old Testament story. And look how fun it would be in verse 2 if you knew the story of Isaac and if you knew the story of Jacob and if you knew the story of Judah. Like you would like, oh, why is he connecting him to those particular people in that, in, you know, in this story? What are their 
stories. And I love that you said that like there's something about this that when you connect some this you know him to the past you're kind of showing what you can expect from him in the present. Yeah. We learn that name from from of Jesus in mm-hmm. the Old Testament Jehovah who I was is who I will always be. I am that I am. Yes. And you're sort of getting that lesson right here at the beginning. The other thing that's really common about a genealogy is it really is usually the list of father to son, father to son, all the way down. That's really common. And so this genealogy is actually a little bit shocking and it probably would have been to the Jewish people who heard it because it actually contains the names of five women that you're going to find in here. And that becomes a little bit jarring if you're used to a normal genealogy. Um, And they're women who we, if we hadn't read the Old Testament, might not be familiar with them or with their stories. But I love that they become some of the grandmothers of Jesus. And we understand him better as soon as we understand them better. So we talked about this in the Old Testament, but we want to talk about it again just quickly. Um, Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba, all of these were women that we studied. And you'll remember if you did the Old Testament line, we actually put these pictures up as we talked about each of these women. What we love about these women is they're a little bit unconventional. They're Mm -hmm. unexpected. They're not... Like you want to think about what should Jesus's grandmothers have looked like? And I think our head goes into, they must have been perfect women like regal and no, um, noble. Yes, just, you they know. just were yeah. like who you would expect. They Jesus spoke in King James English. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> and all they did was go to the temple every single day. Um, that's in your mind. You're like, yeah, that's who Jesus should have come from. And shocker. He actually didn't. Um, We're just going to quickly run through um, each of their stories. And as you think about their stories, we want you to see maybe what would have been the unexpected part about them, but also how, how that unexpectedness led to the theme of their stories, which turned out to be remarkable. So Tamar, you remember was a widow. She had three husbands who died. She was supposed to be promised to the fourth son. She never gets to marry him. Um, She's judged. She's neglected. um, And she ends up waiting on the side of the road for Judah to come by and um, ends up having two twins that will come out of that unexpected relationship. And sometimes people look at her and think uh, that, well, they will call her a prostitute is what they will call her, unless you understand the story really well. And in the story, you realize she was just living up to the the promises of the law that she lived under. And we learn that when Judah says at the very end of her story, she hath been more righteous than I, because she remembered the covenant promise that, that she was supposed to be living within. But her story becomes a story of unconventional loyalty to that family. And we love that about her. The second one I mentioned in the list is Rahab. And you remember when the Israelites first come across the Jordan River, um, the two spies that come in first. And she takes them into her house and she hides them. And you learn that she's a harlot. She's a non-Israelite. They're actually the enemies. They're about to go to battle with these people. And yet she takes them in and takes care of them. And you would kind of consider her someone that would have been disposable. But she actually becomes a great hero in 
this story. And she's got that beautiful part in her story where she ties the scarlet ribbon into her window. The second she learns about the potential and promises of, of their God, she leans into it and she brings her whole household into it. And you discover that her story, which started looking like this, is actually a story of hospitality, mercy, and faith. We love the story of Ruth, who also was a widow, um, but was an outsider, right? She's not from that Jewish community. She's not one of the family of Israel, but she chooses that God. She, she comes in with her mother-in-law and um, becomes an immigrant where she goes. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't understand the customs or anything that's going on. And, and she kind of also could have been an outcast in that situation. But hers becomes a story of kindness and redemption in the end because of Jesus. Yeah. And maybe the most well-known in the list is someone who doesn't even get a name in the genealogy, which I think there's something to that, Mm -hmm. right? There's like a, you know, maybe what she would have experienced, you know, that people would have known her by her, by her actions, by the situation, the whatever it was, you know, instead of who she was. But um, she was the wife of Uriah. That's how she's known. And it's unfaithful with King David. Um, but you remember from that story and from that, uh, from that mistake, there comes uh, this line, this promised line. And the next kings of all the kings of Israel will come through that, including Jesus, who's going to come yeah. through this line. And so really we find out that hers is a story of, of hope in, in grace, that like something beautiful and amazing comes from what initially was was a mistake. Yeah, and it's so interesting because if you were to list out these stories, you might think of a prostitute or a harlot or um, an, an outsider, an immigrant. You might think of um, adultery being part of that story. Like you, you might come up with all of these names and some of the Jewish people who read this might have done that same thing. Um, you get into verse three if you want to know where these names are found. It's going to come right in verse three, where we come out of Jacob, who we knew, and Jacob had Judas. And then in verse three, Judas begat Perez and Zara of Tamar. So there's the two twins that came out of that relationship from Tamar. And Perez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab. And you keep going down, and then you're going to get to verse five, where it says, um, Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab right there. So there we see Rahab. And then Obed came of Ruth. And then in the very end of verse six is where you're going to see her that had been the wife of Urias. So right in this genealogy, we see all of these women, unexpected women with stories that maybe don't fit what you think should have fit the stories of a Messiah. And some of the Jews maybe wrestled with that a little bit. One of my favorite things about this lesson, one of the things that is such a standout to me is um, it's less about who Jesus came through. And I feel like Matthew is teaching us about who Jesus came for, that he came for women who were judged and neglected Um, who were a non-Israelite, who was a a harlot, right? A widow, an outsider, an immigrant. Um, That's who he came for because he was going to change their story. And at the very end of the list in verse 16, it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called 
Christ. And I just love at the very end of the list is an unwed mother. Yeah. You know, that's how she would have been recognized in society. And all five of those women, you might think their stories were unredeemable. And yet out of them came Jesus who could redeem any story. And I love that thought when we think about our own story. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it almost starts off with that lesson of this is what your story might look like until Jesus comes into it. And then you can expect that it's going to be totally different. And that's what they may have thought when they saw Mary's story initially. It was like, oh, that looks like something different. But watch what will happen when Jesus comes into it. And it leads us to think that same thing. Like, what is going to happen when he comes into mm-hmm. my story? I also love that Matthew, again, remember Matthew's that outsider, that tax collector. And so he's like, I, lo- I think he might be emphasizing these women to kind of say, yeah. you can expect that God is going to do some amazing things in some really surprising ways. He is going to be outside the box. He's going to think unconventionally. And I love that later on in Matthew chapter one, he will say, Jesus came for his people. And if you ask the question, well, who are his people? You, you like, oh, it includes yeah. these people Stories like this, like these. which makes me feel like I fit right in. Mm-hmm. Right from the very beginning of the chapter, right the beginning of the book and the beginning of a story, I can see where I, there's room for me. Mm. No matter what my That's story so is, good. there's there's room for me. Yep. Um, so if you have the tip-ins, you might want to put that. Um, those four grandmas are going to be right here. And if you've forgotten where they were in the New Testament, um, the verses where you can find them are right there. Okay, we are calling this next section, He Shall Be Called, because we're going to lean into a little bit of Um, some of the names that we get for him right at the very beginning. I know we're doing this all year long, but you can already tell we're a little bit obsessed with this kind of stuff, right? (laughs) Um, There's just one that we're focusing on this week, and later these other ones are definitely going to show up. But it's neat how right in the beginning in Matthew 1, we get four different names for the Savior that teach us several different things um, about him. So the first one that you're going to find is that is our one for the week right? Uh, it's Emmanuel. That's in verse 23. And, and Matthew quotes Isaiah, where he says, behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which it tells you the Hebrew definition right there interpreted is God with us. And we want you to think about each of these. And if I were a teacher, I would take each of these and describe what they mean. And then I would have some time to either talk about or let people write down like, okay, how has he been that? And where has he been that? So in this particular one, Emmanuel, God with us, that he's going to enter down into our story, that he's going to be a part of it. He's going to be in the grittiness of it. He's like, he's not going to leave us alone. He's going to come right in as a main character in our story, not just an observer. And I love as not only were we introduced to who he came for in Matthew, but we're also introduced to who he is so that when you look at him, you're like, oh, that's how I need him to enter into my story as this. And I love this next word, Savior, which we read in Matthew 1, 21. Um, and it's the verse that we're so familiar with that says, um, I skipped it. Um, then Joseph, no. Yeah, 21. You oh, got yeah, it. I'm right here. And then, and he shall bring, and she shall bring forth the son. And shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
And that's where we're pulling that word savior from is verse 21, where it talks about he shall save his people. And this save right here in Matthew 121 comes from the word sozo, which is, I love um, that word and the thought of it because it means he has come to deliver and to preserve and to protect and to heal. Um, I love that it means to make whole. Anytime we see that word savior, I just, in my life, I'm like, where do I need healing right now? Where do I need to be made whole? Where do I need protection or deliverance or just, um, there's, there's so much strength for me in the word savior in my life situations and in my story. So I love when he is savior. Um, then there's another name in there, 21, which is Jesus. And now this, there's a couple of really cool things with the name Jesus. Number one is what it means. Um, it would have been Jeshua or Joshua. Um, so I really actually love that it's this super ordinary name because mm. it's really coming back to that fact. It's like, oh, you might feel really ordinary or what's about to happen might appear to be ordinary, but it, but amazing things are going to come from ordinary situations, yeah. right? Especially when he comes into it. But that name means God is help or the Lord saveth. And I love thinking about his name is every time I say the name Jesus, what I'm saying is this is God's help for you. For whatever's gone wrong or whatever is unsolvable or hurting right now, God sent his help and that help is named Jesus. Mm, I love that so much. Um, and then the last one we read in verse 16, Matthew 1, 16. Which I, let me just lean into that for one more second, if I can. Yeah. Just because I, I just wrote about that this weekend. So it's been on my mind. I was at a, a funeral mm-hmm. viewing and, and I just, um, it was a, tra- a really, tra- all death is sad, right? But this one was particularly tragic. And it was one that left you like wondering, like, you couldn't help but ask, why would God let that happen? Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like he yeah. didn't get a chance to finish. He didn't like, and it was, uh, it was so tragic and unexpected. And, and I was walking through the viewing and, and, and somebody asked me, well, where's the answer for this one, Brother Butler? And I know what she was asking. She was asking me why. She was asking me like, what was the cause? What was the reasoning? You know, what, what was God's motivation? Whatever yeah. it was behind it. But as I walked out of the church, like I, like I just kind of felt God tap on my heart. The, he's like, the answer is Jesus. Right. Um, And not meaning like that wasn't the answer to why, but it was the answer to how they're going to make it through this, that he is coming to help. Right. Like uh, him coming into the world is is evidence that the world needed help. Like Mm. it was the answer. It was the solution to what was hurting and hard in in this world. And I just love that you you can ask yourself right now, what help do I need? Well, and I love... um, when, did we talk about when I spoke at the construction breakfast on here? I, I don't can't know. remember. I don't know. But I, I spoke to a construction group of 615 people. Uh, when I told David, he was like, is that in your wheelhouse <laughs> to speak to construction workers? It is now, yeah. just so you know. And at the very end, I talked a lot about Garrett and his story and just the good that he's doing in the world right now. And and hopefully you've heard that story before, but this man came up to me who said um, he had been five five years clean from drugs. And he has this three-year-old boy and he's a single dad and he's just trying to turn his life around. And he's like, you did that for your son. You helped turn his life around. And um, he said a lot of people come up to people like us 
who nobody wants to touch that life because it's so messy. And they say, just let me know if I can help. Like if, if I can ever do anything to help. And then he's like, then they never talk to you again. They never show up. Your story is so messy. They actually don't want to get into your story. And he said, you know what you were for your son? You were the help. Like you actually showed up in his story and you stayed in it. And then he taught me the most beautiful thing. He said to me, you know how what helped him heal is because you taught him to tell his story without shame. And I was like, that really is so interesting because that is what has helped Garrett is telling his story and and healing from that story and the mistakes he made and how messy that story was. But when he talks about where he sees Jesus in that story, that's where the healing came. And I love that thought that through Jesus, all of us can learn to tell our story without shame. We can do that. And, and he actually is the help. Like he doesn't care how messy it is. Right. He's just going to come in and do that. The last name, um, is found in that verse 16 that we read just barely, but I'll um, tell you again when it says, um, Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. And I love that word Christ so much. Um, it, it means anointed or consecrated. It can also mean Messiah. But I was looking up that word earlier today, and listen how interesting this is um, when you come out of that idea of being anointed. So, um, sometimes we'll use the word consecrated can also mean set apart. So he, when we talk about him as Christ, he is the one who was anointed or set apart for what he was called to do for each of us mm. in our life, which I love. But that word Christ um, comes from another word that is um, the idea of to smear or to rub with oil. That's what it means. And don't you love that it wasn't just like, it wasn't just like, oh, and and you are anointed and it, here is this tiny drop, but the thought that it was like smeared or covered or rubbed with oil that like, I just loved that thought that it was like his entire identity was what he had been set apart um, to do. Like he was just covered in that anointing, in that calling. Don't yeah. you love the thought Yeah, it of that? makes me think of that idea of that um, mantle you yes. know, that it, that's in that painting, yeah. you know, the line drawing. It's just like, oh, he's, you know, this is what he's, you know, came to do. It's yes. just like what he's like, the mission he was endowed with and the mission that he fulfilled, you yeah. know, when he came. It makes me think every time I use that word Christ that I just want to remember that he was like, um, he was not just set apart or consecrated or anointed to be the Messiah, but like he ex he exuded that, you mm. know, he like lived it out. Like he was everything he said he would be, and he still is everything he said he would be. He mm. just covers us in yeah. that. Um, another way you could replace this word in scripture as you read through it is king. Like that mm. is a word that became synonymous with king. Kings were anointed right for their cause and i think that is really cool because you look at all of these things and when you link it together with the fact that he's the king it shows you um he's both willing and he has the power and authority to do it 
Yeah, you know? I love that. You know, and, and it's like, it's one thing if, if some guy with no money comes in and is like, hey, how can I help, you know, or something like that. But someone who has the power, has yeah. the authority, comes down into the messy story. Like just the dichotomy of that is really, yeah, really powerful. Yeah, so awesome. If you were teaching this to a group, um, particularly if I was teaching this to teenagers, I think, I would ask them, which one of these do you need in your story right now and take some time to just really think through each of these names that we are introduced to in Matthew chapter one. Um, before we jump on to the next segment, we just want to show you this. This is in the journal um, in every single week. And so we left a spot so that you can do a little bit more of a study and a thought, think through maybe one day a week or on Sunday or something like that um, of these particular names. So the name of Christ this week that is on the poster and on the line art is that Emmanuel. And you, you might write this in there, that he will meet us where we are, as we are. He will enter into our story. Um, he will be the, the help. You can write all of those things in there. And then you might look back on your life story so far and say, where, is, where have I seen him like this? Mm. Where has he been, Emmanuel? Where has he shown up in the stable, yeah. you know? Or, and you might then spend the rest of the week think, watching for that. Watch for him showing up as that. Yeah, in, in the ordinary moments, like right. in the places in your story. And maybe you're going to write some of those down or you look back over the past year. Um, the other thing we want to do is discover other scripture verses that mention or teach that same name. So this week there are three, Isaiah 7, 14, Isaiah 8, 8, and then Matthew 1, 23. And you might just want to start collecting those every week so that you you just have a list of like, oh... I want to remember this about him. So we love the thought of that. And we're going to keep a running list of those scriptures in the app. And it's in the dailies section. I just touched it and you didn't see, even though I yell at you when you touch it. But you didn't see, but I just thought I'd admit it. Okay, okay the nice. next segment that we're going into is this one that we're calling Fear Not. Oh, I love this one. Um, this is great. Uh, this is um, We're going to take two of the stories of encounters with these with these angels that come to first Joseph and and then Mary. So we're going to start with Joseph's story, which is in Matthew. When the angel comes to him, you remember the situation and story. It's so interesting that there might be people who just say, wait, 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 I don't even know this story, you know, but um, Mary and Joseph are, uh, Mary is Jesus's mother and Mary and Joseph are engaged to each other. They're betrothed. Um, in their time, that betrothal is more than just like someone's popped the question. They're kind of officially, legally married. It just sort of hasn't been double official. There's kind of like two moments where that happens. But for all intents and purposes, they are married to each other and committed to each other. And he will find out that she's um, pregnant. And obviously that is going to like uh, throw things for a loop uh, for him because it's like, wait, I, he's preparing their household right now. They're preparing their future life. And all of a sudden she's going to have this news that she is, is pregnant. And you come into Matthew one um, and you learn what I just said right there in verse 18. And then in 19, it says, then Joseph, her husband, you see how it's already calling her her husband, even though they're not married. This is how like official this relationship is being a just man um, not willing to make a public example of her, was minded to put her away privily. Uh, culturally, uh, if you were guilty of adultery, you could have been stoned to death. And, and that was kind of what was on the line. And it would have been Joseph's call, you know, to kind of initiate that and move that forward. And he decides to put her away um, 
without making a, a big deal or a big scene about it. And then it says this, but while he thought on these things. And I just love that one line so much because I love that like he is wrestling with this. Right. Like he's thinking about it at night. He's like, how can I make it? What am I going to do in this situation? And I love that the scriptures allude to that fact that he's like, while he was thinking on these things and, and try and, and this is what I think I'll do and whatever. You love that it's in that struggle that the angel shows yeah, up. Yeah, and I was uh, telling Emily before we started, I read this Jewish commentary of the New Testament where it talked about one of the struggles. Obviously, one of the struggles is like with his own like, oh my gosh, like I had this whole plan set forth and now that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like I had all these intentions and dreams and plans and then all of a sudden curveball. Right. Also, did I, do I even know who she is? Like, what the heck? You know, it's yes. happening. And then she told him this story. And wait, is she Which lying? Has to be a or? little crazy. Right. Like everything about it yeah. is just like, oh my goodness. You know, like it's mm-hmm. just. But one other consideration that I never thought of before is that he was like, uh, like a just like he would he would have followed the law, you know, to exactness. And so the fact that he doesn't follow through with that stoning, this Jewish commentator said perhaps that's because he actually believed her but was really intimidated by the responsibility. And so he was like, I don't, I don't know if I can take that on. And so maybe we'll just kind of like part ways here and just whatever it was, he sat in that struggle for a minute. And while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. P.S. I've just never thought about this before. I do love that that angel starts with his identity, Mm. that he ties him to a line of royal promise, right? It's just like, right now, the culture is this puppet king, Herod, who's kind of taken control, not part of the original promised royal line, you know, and that's sort of like the norm of the day. And the angel reminds him, no, you descend from from royalty. Well, and not only that, but you actually descend from the line that Jesus is said he would come from. Yeah, you right. love that he's like... There's promise yeah, in there. You, you were prophecy. foredetermined for right. what is about to happen right, right now. Um, I like that word. And then he says this, um, fear not to take the unmarried... Whoa, I can't even read. <laughs> I'm just emotional about this. To take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her, in her is the Holy Ghost. And he, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. And we just kind of took that story a little bit and wrote this out. The first thing that the angel says to him is fear not. Remember in scripture, fear is the opposite of trust and it's the opposite of faith. And he says, choose to fear not. And he says, take Mary as your wife. I can't tell you what the end of your story is gonna look like, but I will tell you what the next right step is. Move forward and take Mary to be your wife. And then he immediately brings up Jesus and brings Jesus into this troubled story yeah. and reminds him what he is capable of doing, that he will save, he will be the help in this situation. I know it's troubled. I know it's hurting. I know you don't know, but let me remind you what his capacity and what his willingness is yeah, going to be. Yeah, because he can um, deliver and protect right. and heal and make whole this relationship from where it is right now, which you love that. And then Mary has a really similar story. We're going to jump over to Luke 1, verse um, 30. 
um, is where the angel um, tells her to fear not. But I love this thought that she's going to go through um, in this same conversation that she's going to have with this angel. And it's interesting how similar the counsel is to both. Um, that you just love when maybe God is like, will you just go down there and tell both of them? They don't need to be so nervous about this. Like to tell them there's no need to fear. This is part of the plan. This is what was supposed to happen. And I love that the angel comes to her and says um, in verse 30, fear not, Mary. And so again, he just acknowledges her for exactly who she is. Um, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there shall be no end. And I love this thought that he does the same thing. He's like, Mary, fear not. Um, then he says, you have found favor with God. Like she, she probably also was like, what is happening right now in my life? And he's like, this is like, is the plan and you can continue to move forward. You're in favor with God. Um, and Jesus will come into the story. And then she gets her own promise of who he is and what he will do, which is that, um, I love there will be a moment in Mary's life, right, in 33 years from then or 34, where when Jesus dies, she will probably hold on to this promise as a mother. Wait, I was promised that he would reign forever. And I love that Not Joseph is given a promise that will be a future promise. And Mary is also given a promise that will be a future promise that will sustain both of them within this story, which I think is awesome. And it's interesting, as we were looking at this, we were like, it's so interesting how similar this pattern is. We, we wanna talk about if you were to receive angelic advice, um, maybe it would look something like this. So if you kind of took the pattern a little bit here with both of their stories, angelic advice, that an angel would probably start off by telling you to fear not right? To lean into to faith in this situation. Yeah, whatever your hard thing is, and, and maybe you'll sit and think about that for a minute. What is your hard thing right now? What is the thing you are most afraid of? What What is in your story that brings uncertainty or like lack of sleep at night or you just that feeling of fear? What is that? And that God would come down and be like, don't, don't fear that. Right. And the next thing he might say is to give you your next right step, to move forward, right? That he might not necessarily give you the entire solution or exactly how it's going to work out, but generally it's going to be listening for what's that next right step to move forward on. Yeah, because you love that Joseph was just simply, take Mary to be your wife. Joseph's probably like, yeah, but what's our whole life going to look like? Yeah. And you love that he's like, Joseph, just for today, just take Mary to be your wife. I can't tell you about Egypt yet. Yes. You know, like, I can't tell you like, about the day you're going to lose him. I just, your next step is take him to be, take her to be your wife. And then this advice to call on Jesus for help, to bring him into the story. Mm -hmm. They literally brought him forth. 
into their story, but we can bring him forth just as literally to call on his name, to call on his help, to call on his grace and bring that down into your story. So sometimes I get asked a lot by people who are just like, how, but how do I, how do I access, you know, Mm -hmm. that grace that he's promised, the strength, the help that he's promised. And, and I honestly believe it simply starts with, um, ask for it, call for it. Like whatever it takes, yeah. invite, to br- him invite him into, into the story. Right. Let him be part of the story. And then the last one is, I just love with um, Joseph, he was like, he will save his people. And with Mary, he'll be great. He will reign forever. He's going to build up his kingdom. It's all of these things that were reminding them of his capacity, um, of who he was and what he could do in their story. And sometimes when you are in a situation of fear and you get that prompting, just move forward in this and you call on his name, sometimes it helps to remind yourself of his capacity in that situation. That it that situation might feel bigger than you, but our God is greater than that situation. And to just start listing in your mind, what is his capacity? In this part of my story, and right I now. love I love that line that the situation might be bigger than you, but the situation's not bigger than God in it. And yeah. that verse thirty seven for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Like, who loves that? These are the means that He's going to come through yeah. the world through when all human efforts have run out. Yes. Right? That's that's what the story is about. That God will come in through impossible means as a way to let everyone always know, like, this is mm. how I work, is that's in so the impossible. This is one of our favorite parts of this um, this lesson was that fear not part. Um, okay, we're going to come back to those friends in a minute, but we want to lean into this part of the story um, of Zacharias um, and call this the five patterns for receiving answers. Back at the very beginning of Luke chapter 1 is where we're introduced to him. He's the father of John the Baptist, and he and his wife, Elizabeth, are barren. They're not able to have um, any children, which in uh, today, it's extremely heartbreaking and difficult as you hear and experience and are part of stories like that, but um, even so back then as well, Um, and in Mm. different ways in some ways just as difficult and in other ways culturally even more so. And this is what they've um, been dealing with, the, the two of them. And and um, it's what they've been praying for. And it's what they're, the answers that they're looking for in their life. And Zacharias is going to go um, into the temple as part of his responsibilities as being a priest. And he's going to be visited by an angel that the Lord's going to... Um, give him answers. He's going to give him advice. He's going to come into his story. And we love looking at that story and looking at the pattern of what happened, like what happened in his story um, that sort of made him available um, for that particular answer and that direction and revelation that are going to come. And so we think his story is a cool story. If you want to lean into this um, lesson in a class or something, five patterns to prepare us to better receive answers and direction from the Lord. And we love that this would have been something that they had probably prayed over for years and also mourned the loss of for years. Like I love that in their story, 
this feels like a situation that is unredeemable. And it, it feels like that kind of is the theme of the beginning of Matthew and the beginning of Luke, that both of them were like, let's paint a picture of something that is unredeemable and then introduce Jesus into that story, which I love. And Well, just, you, and you just made me think when you talked about this is a dream that they'd kind of mourned the loss of, that they'd buried it. It had died. Yeah. You know, and, and it's just right from the very beginning, we learn this Jesus will bring things back from the dead. People later on, but in this very beginning story, dreams and yeah. hopes he'll bring them back. And so we love looking at, you know what's going to happen. In the end, Elizabeth is going to conceive and, and Zacharias is going to be part of that story. And they're going to have the baby that will be John the Baptist, who will like bring about leading in, ushering in um, what Jesus will do for those next three years. That's going to be the end of their story. But we love looking at the before. Like what happened before all of that realization came? What were they doing? How were they living? What did their day-to-day -day life look like that allowed for them to be prepared to receive this answer that they had been praying for for so long? And so we're going to just start in Luke 1. And um, it's in verse 5 is where we're introduced to Zacharias and Elizabeth. And then we start learning some things about them that are really important. First of all, in verse 6, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And there's one word there. There's a lot of words that, that might jump out to you right there. Um, all the commandments might, blameless might. Um, the word that I love is that they were walking in the commandments and the ordinances. Like, I just love that that was the walk of their life. Like, they just walked inside of this way of living and they were comfortable in it. They just lived in that place. And it made me want to think about, like, do, am I living in the commandments? Am I walking in the commandments every day is, is that the way I do life? Because that was the first way of preparing for that answer to be made manifest in their life was to be walking in the commandments and the ordinances and just doing their best in that place. I love that. Well, and I just, I, I we talked on Sunday just about commandments as, you know, rules. Elle was like, aren't they the rules, you know? And I love that you just use that phrase. No, it's a way of life. It's a godly walk. Like God's mm -hmm. like showing us a pattern of living is what he's doing. And it seems like that's what they're immersed. Yes. Right. They're immersed. That's exactly it. what it feels like. They just lived in the commandments. Yeah. That's what they lived in. And I love that. And the second pattern, which you find in verse eight is interesting. It says, came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, there is this idea that he is just, that he's just serving in his place, that God has already given him like his marching orders, I guess. Mm -hmm. And he just lives in those. And 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 he will just continue to live in in that. I love that and phrase. And to serve too. Yeah, right. Just serve in the capacity that you've already been given. You know that is like as I'm seeking for direction, as I'm seeking for you know, yeah. trying to hear God's voice. It's just like maybe one of the best ways to hear that is to be immersed in what He's already given mm -hmm. and to serve in the way He's already laid out for you. Yeah, and whatever is the ordinary you. duty and work of your life to find 
fulfillment there. You yeah. Know? And it is cool that the angel is going to come in the regular schedule of his day. Yes. Right. This was just like, it's just what I do. Like I wake up in the morning and I have a, and I have a 10 minute prayer devotional every morning. It's the order of my course. Yes. It's just what yeah. I do. And, and I then, love that. Yeah. The order of his course. It's yeah. just the way he was living. The third one is, um, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And there's a lot of um, interesting things about the lot and the fact that he was going to be in there on that day and all of those things. But in, in my mind, it's also so simple. He was in the temple. That's what he was doing. And I love that um, that idea of the incense there also hints towards a praying life a praying person and at its very simplest you can get into all the deep depth of what was happening in that verse but for me in its just sheer simplicity is the fact that he was a praying and temple attending man that he was like i know where to go to receive answers and this is just part of what i do i pray and I go to the temple. There's an invitation in the very first introductory chapter of the Come Follow Me manual that used this phrase, create personal experiences with God. And I love, it seems to be, that's what I would name that pattern. It's just like to put yourself in places, you know, where you can experience mm. his presence, you know, yeah. and whatever that might look like for your particular order of your course of your life yeah. right now. Yeah, I love that so much. Um, and then in verse 10. Yeah, verse 10, it's interesting because it says the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense. And this is a reason the only, well, not the only, it's one of the big reasons I want to go back in time and live during this time because mm -hmm. the whole congregation of Israel would gather for these morning prayers and they would gather, you know, outside the in the courts of the temple. And I, I'm like, we used to do that in, in high school. Um, we'd pray around the flagpole. There was a group of people that really? would gather. Really? That's yeah. so cute. <laughs> that would gather in the morning before school started, you know, and would pray around the flagpole. And it was just a um, just a group of people from a whole bunch of different churches and everything. And so I just love the idea of that whole group gathering together in mm -hmm. the morning um, for this time of prayer and starting their day that way. But we like to think of that as a pattern of inviting other people into prayer with you. You know, to, to just ask others to pray for you. And, and we believe that there's power in, mm. in prayer and, and particularly inviting others into prayer with you. And I love that it is in this course of his days that the angel just appears. And in verse 13, it says, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And your wife shall bear you a son, and you will call his name John. And... I wonder if in his mind he was like, uh, I prayed that prayer three decades ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, what do you mean my prayer is heard? What if that wasn't even the prayer he was praying that, that morning? But the fact that the angel was like, okay, now it's time for this portion of your story. And it, we, we know because of his response, that was like a, like a unbelievable moment in his life that like truly he didn't believe it. Like he was like, what is happening right now? And then there's going to be this part of his story in verse 20, where it says, um, after he says to the angel, I just can't imagine 
this is going to happen. I just like, I can't comprehend this is going to happen. And in verse 20, it says, behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believed not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And we love two things about this verse. The first one is I love that there are seasons and I love that there are parts of our stories and even miracles on hold that God will bring to us when the timing is right, when his timing is right. And part of what we have to do is learn how to wait in belief and, and think about what that looks like when we just wait and then we believe at the same time. And, and sometimes waiting is hard, but the longer life goes, the more I feel like waiting is a doctrine of mm. the Lord, that it's, it's a place where he teaches us about Jesus in ways that we wouldn't otherwise learn. It's interesting because, you know, Mary asks questions also. And so sometimes you look at those two stories back to back and you're just like, wait a second, what happened? But if you look at this verse 45, you kind of see comparing to verse 20 that Zacharias doesn't believe. And it actually says about Mary and blessed is she that believed that the questions were asked, you know, in in a sincere. Yeah. In two different ways. In, In a moment of doubt, one asked questions that would lead to belief. Mary did. Yeah. And Zacharias asks them in a, in a, in a different way. And I think that, you, uh, you know, we can, um, without knowing what's going on in the insides of, of their hearts, I think we've all kind of experienced that before, that I've asked questions before in, in a believing way where I'm just like, hold on, help me understand this. Help me, give me strength for this. Or uh, almost like in a way where, where I'm just like, I don't want to go forward with it. I don't want to do it. And so I'm going to ask in a way that's just like, kind of gets me out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I think about my own motivations yeah, it's so, for it. It's so interesting because your words can either talk you into it or talk you out of it. Right. And it's like Mary's words were questioning, but talking her into the realization that God had planned that path for her. Where Zacharias's words were going to talk him out of it. And the angel finally is like, okay, hold on. You got to stop. You have to stop talking. I don't want you to talk yourself out of this. This is going to be a really amazing thing. And so the best thing right now is for you to actually not talk. Be mute. Yes. Yeah. And anymore. even though it actually happens to Zacharias where he is not able to, even if he wanted to, I love that um, pattern of it. We're almost like the angel comes and says, do not speak fear into this situation. Do not speak doubt into this situation. Like wait it's season. The best thing mm. you can do is not to speak doubt and discouragement and, and how it's impossible into this. Like yeah. just shh and, and let these things That's play so out. Good. And maybe this helps in your story right now. Um, maybe you have an answer that you are wrestling with right now. And maybe just look at each of these things Zacharias did that were part of his story and think, okay, what have I not tried or what could I lean into differently? Or maybe you're in the wait and what could you learn um, from this story about that waiting place? So just a lot of really great lessons here to ponder on that we love. Okay, our last segment is um, one that we're calling eyewitnesses because we love at the beginning, Luke. Um, let's, let's, talk about, yeah, yeah. Yeah. let's talk about Luke a little bit. Okay, so Luke was a physician 
Um, he was a travel companion to Paul. He was a convert. He actually maybe didn't get to see anything that was going on in the life of Jesus. And so we love that what his knowledge is, is just going around and talking to people who would have witnessed it, who would have seen it for themselves. Um, we love that he's writing to Theophilus. That name means a friend to God. So you kind of love the double meaning there where Theophilus could have been any of us because yeah. we're all friends to God. So he's like, hey, I just, I'm writing this to you. Um, we love that he comes at this from a merciful and compassionate place because, because maybe he was a physician. So you just feel a lot of mercy and compassion in the way he tells his stories and particularly for the women and the poor. And Luke wants to introduce Jesus as a savior for all people. Like he, he, he sees really big, but I think it'd be fun to just read those first four verses of when he talks about gathering his stories. Yeah, it says this right at the beginning. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth and order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, I love this line. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all the things from the very first, to write unto the most excellent Theophilus. Um, I think it's cool that he says, lots of people have written down their story. But I think I also should write down my story. And the way the witnesses I heard and the experiences that I've had with mm -hmm. all of them. And someone might think at the very beginning, one, we're just like, well, everyone's already written it. It's already been written down. And I love that he's like, but no one's written down my story and no one's written down like the what things I've, I've thought and what yeah. I've gathered together. And what a tragedy if Luke had thought to himself, everyone else has already written this. So I'm not going to give my perspective on it. And we only had Matthew, Mark, John, right? Yes. And, and what a tragedy of anybody who, who, says, well, people have already done this and people have already said this and people have already given their, given their thoughts or, or whatever. I love that he's going to add, it seemed good to me also yes. to bring in, in this and, and particularly the eyewitnesses of those. Why? So that you, Mr. Theophilus, might know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. I, I want you to know also, this is a story everybody should know about. I love every time we get into Luke. One of the things that I think every time I turn to one of these pages is, oh, I'm reading an eyewitness account. I'm reading somebody's personal encounter with Jesus right now. And I just, I love thinking that. I'm, I'm sure it's true in a lot of places, but I particularly love thinking about it when I read Luke. And so we're going to come into this story and there's going to be three eyewitnesses we're going to meet here. We're just going to show you a little bit of their stories. We don't have time to go through all of them. But if you were going to go through and say, when I read Luke, I'm going to look for the eyewitnesses and I'm going to see what I can learn from them. Then if you were to think, what would I learn about Jesus from Elizabeth? And what would I learn about Elizabeth that would help me understand this story better. And if you were to read in Luke 1, 40 through 45, you would learn that she was filled with the Holy Ghost. Um, I love that there is that one moment where it says, um, 
When she saw Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. I'm in verse 41. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And I love that she celebrated others. It seems like that was her personality, to just rejoice for what was happening in Mary's life. Even though she already had a really, like, big celebration happening herself. But I love that she's like, let me take a minute to celebrate you for a second in this story. I love that she was humble. Um, I love that when she felt that baby move in her, she was spiritually sensitive enough to know something important was coming. I love that we feel that in her. And I love that she says to Mary, just right away, she says, Blessed is she that believed, so, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Like, I love that she just encourages Mary, that she's like, oh, good things are coming and blessings are coming. I just, there's so much about Elizabeth that I just love as you start reading this eyewitness account and the part she'll play in what's about to happen. Yeah, and I love thinking as you go into each of these stories, like you come into Zacharias's and you just want to say, say like, when you look at that chunk of scriptures, like what was their experience like? Like how, what did they learn? Um, how did they change? What, um, what characteristics of God did they experience, you know, as you go through? And you, this is so cool in his story. Just a couple things from this. One is that he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And this happens after his experience in the temple, after he was made a mm. mute, after he was a doubter, after he spoke fear into the story, after he didn't believe it, um, he come, the Holy Ghost fills him a second time, right? And, and, and he's able to prophesy. And I love how he leans into and uh, who God was and the promises that he made um, throughout the whole Old Testament. Yeah, when you read that part, it's going to bring back Old Testament lessons for you. When I was reading it, I was like, oh, I feel like we were just studying this. Yeah, verse 70. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which from the very beginning of the world and talks about his covenant promises that he made and how he helped fulfill them and how he's continuing to, to fulfill them. And mm -hmm. so you see a lot uh, of that with him. He sees God's tender mercies and he keeps repeating those prophecies. It's almost like he's giving himself a pep talk here where yeah. it's like, you know, okay. And, and why wouldn't he? Because the angel promised him something, you know, and then it actually happened. Like he's standing there with the baby and he's like, oh my gosh, this baby really came from a barren womb. Like it, it's here. Like God did something crazy yeah. for us. Maybe everything he prophesied really is going to happen. Maybe, you know, yes. maybe if he did this, yeah. then all those other things are, you know, yeah. in line to happen also. Yeah. We love Mary's story, and that's the one we want to lean into for a minute. Um, we love that she knew God was aware of her, that he recognized the, that she recognized the great things he was doing in her life. We love that she lived in reverence. I'm so interested by that thought. And she knew what was coming. And so in these journals every week, we are going to have one page, and we've talked to you about this. This is our favorite part of the journals this year, that is going to be your page to work things out and to think things through. It's We call them worksheets when we were going through, um, but we want you to spend some time in here just leaning into 
what is our favorite part of the lesson every week? Or if, if we were thinking, what were we going to teach to our kids? Or David teaches Sunday school to the youth. I teach gospel doctrine to adults. This is for sure where we would lean into with this lesson is Mary's Psalm. It is this moment at the beginning of her journey before that baby even comes when she just bears testimony of who Jesus is and what is happening in her life and, and what she's hoping for. And it's this beautiful moment where she just lays out the thoughts of her heart. And it starts out and just says, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And then she goes through and lists all the reasons why. Like, it's just such a beautiful representation of her relationship with her savior and she talks about he regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden for behold from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed like how did i get chosen out of everyone he could have chosen what did he see in me but i love when she's like for he that is mighty hath done to me great things and holy is his name and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation he has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And I just love that moment when just out of her poured this is who he is in my story right now. Then it makes me think of like, well, we just got done in the Old Testament studying the Psalms and there were different purposes for the Psalms, but they were all emotional and they were all prayers, essentially, mm. like spoken, written prayers. They come from a place of some sort of emotion. And I'm just thinking to myself, Mary's right here and and could come from a place of gratitude. You know, a psalm's a good thing to write when your soul needs to lean into gratitude. Um, a psalm's a good thing to write when you feel nervous about something coming that you're like, oh, I need to, I need mm. to remember God's character. I need to like really yeah, it feels feel like through this. Psalm is a pouring out. Yes. That's yeah. what it feels like. And so we love the idea of like, seeing Mary do this and reading it, considering her situation where she's just like, something awesome is coming. I'm also so nervous about what's coming. And, and then she just, I know. Yeah. So let me like settle myself into who God is right now in, in this season. So the worksheet this week gives you a chance to like, look at her Psalm and just read through it and maybe inspire you to write your own psalm. And we like taking Mary's psalm as a pattern for writing because it's kind of mm -hmm. hard to write a psalm, yes. I think. You yes. know? So maybe you can use hers as a pattern um, to write your own. And so we kind of show you a little bit how to do that right here. If you want to use this worksheet just for your own personal study or to copy and give to um, a class. Um, some of the stuff we want to just move right over and then some of the stuff is kind of fill in the blank. Yeah. So we love bit. if you start out with where it said, and Mary said, you would just put your own name in there. And David said, or, and Emily said, 
And then we love these two words. We would probably just pull these over. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And when I was writing this, I just kind of wrote it a little bit different because when your soul, especially if I'm thinking about my teenage class, I would help them see this, and I might have them translate it like this. Um, because she says, my soul will magnify the Lord. I like, my story will show you how great he is. Mm-hmm. When you read my story, he will look bigger because yeah. of the story. And I have reason. I have reasons to praise him. I have reasons mm-hmm. to rejoice in him. Then you're going to notice that she did this. For he hath, and then she writes down what he's done. He hath, and she writes it down. He hath, he hath, he hath. Places where you can just be like, this is what he has done in my story. And we also love that there's this little moment where she says, for he that is mighty hath done to me great things. He is, and then she lists those things. And then at the very end, we think this is so fun. He hath helping his servant, and then put your name right in there, David or Emily or whoever it is, as he spoke. So let me read you mine, what it turned out like, just so you can have an idea of what you're going for. Mine says this, and Emily said, my soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior, for he hath strengthened my capacity and partnered in the imaginations of my heart. He that is mighty hath done unto me great things, miracles in the mundane, delivering, healing, transforming, working in the waiting. He has showed mercy in the morning, has said to the weary and unyielding love, He hath battled for my desperate pleadings and upheld my fragile hope. He hath stood steady in the midst, constant, there. He hath hope in his servant, Emily, just as he spoke. So maybe you would turn on some music and you would hand out this sheet. So just so you know, we have gotten permission for you to be able to use these sheets from your journals. So if you have this journal, feel free to take it in the library and just print these if you want to, or um, they're on the app, so you can download them if you want them in color, and they will be in every newsletter this year. So you would be able to download these out if you want to use these to teach. Um, And be able to maybe turn on music, and then just let people follow this pattern, it's right here in the book, and write out their own things. If, If you are teaching a Littles, some of the littles, you maybe will just have them do one he is and explain it and one he hath done this. And that might be as much as they do. Teenagers, you maybe will say, just pick two or three yeah. that you want to put in there. What is, what's your he is and what has he done? And then how has he helped you um, like that? But we love this idea of just having that merry moment to stop in your story right now and say, okay, this is who my God is. This is what he's done. And um, this is where he's helping me in my life right now. If you're listening on the podcast, come look on the video and see. (laughs) Yes. So you can see where these things are, but you might by listening to it, be able to figure that out because giving this to teenage or anybody, it's nice to give a little pattern to really help them yeah. you know, sit down and do like. this. And and there's something really powerful, I think, about this at the very beginning. Here at the very beginning of Matthew and Luke, the beginning of the Gospels, we're introduced to a God, is what he is like, how he's going to show up in our stories, the things that he has already started doing. We love the idea of saying like in the beginning, because we're in mm-hmm. chapter one, yes. and we can already see him 
as Emmanuel. We can already see him in their stories. Mm-hmm. Um, a woman who is barren, someone who's young and confused, someone who's overwhelmed and doesn't know what to do, somebody who doesn't believe at first but is going to be given a second chance. Like all these different types of people in the beginning, he's already changing their stories yeah, and, and coming into And them. he's not even here yet. Right. <laughs> yes. And that's what you love. And we love this thought that as we enter in this year, we are going to be introduced to him in other people's stories, but also in our stories. Um, one of the things we felt so passionately about this year as we were working on this journal is we wanted people to feel like they could have a personal experience with the Lord this year to, to figure out how to have a personal relationship with him and what that would look like. And I spent time this morning just going through all of these pages and right, thinking about each of these questions and pondering and opening my scriptures and writing in them and, and writing here and spending time thinking about his name. And I told David when he walked in the door, this is one of the best Bible studies I have ever done was the four pages that I just did that got me into the scriptures and got my mind thinking and questions that were helping me to think about where do I want Jesus to be in my story this week and how can I learn from these people who are becoming friends now Mm. of how to know him better and and the ability to sit and write for me was just such a profound experience to get this all down and be able to look at it. I love my neighbor um, had said to me, I want my kids to do these worksheets every week this year because I want them to have a record of this journey, of, of the 2023 year of Jesus journey mm. that they can look back on for years to come. And what a sweet experience it is gonna be for all of us in Come Follow Me this year to learn together, to have that experience, to ask questions together and to write things down and to work things out together with one goal in mind. And that's just to know him better at the end than we do at the beginning. And hopefully our that name this week, right? I love starting with that mm-hmm. name. Um, first, because that's how we ended the Old Testament. Yes. And second, that it's such a great name from the beginning. That Emmanuel means where he will come, where you are, as you are. That, And hopefully you've seen right here at the very beginning, whatever your story looks like right now, you have a place. like, And, and yeah. he has a place in, in yours, right? That it doesn't matter. He's willing to come into that as help. He's willing to come into the mess of it, whatever it may look like. Everybody mm-hmm. is in that genealogy right at the beginning says... Everybody listening, watching this um, has a place here. Yeah. And he has a place in your story. Oh, that's so so good. Okay. Okay, see you next week. We're so excited. The New Testament. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.